what, what has that been like for you? Because you're right, you go into the circumstance where everyone's looking for the show, you're the show. What has that been like to kind of carry? Because you having an off night, that's not really an option. People aren't um, maybe as interested in hearing that. They want, oh, I saw you last week, I can't wait for the same type of show tonight. That's exactly it. And, and it's it's literally, you know, like, it, it, and you go, you go to a house party and somebody's like, you're going to sing tonight, you're going to... You, you, you singing tonight? No, buddy. No, I'm not singing. Here's my wife reading you know, crackers and cheese. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not your entertainment tonight. But the insecure person in me feels, oh, I, I guess I better turn it on now. Yeah. I am the guy, literally, and I say this to a lot of people. I am the guy that would at a at a house party. I'm the guy who would go stand in the kitchen, you know, yeah. eat the celery, yeah. and then a couple of people drift in and I talk with them. Um, when I have to be on, I'm on, and I you'll know I'm nervous because I'm trying to be funny or I'm funny. Yeah. The more nervous and insecure I am, the funnier I can be, right? That yeah. was a gift. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because yeah. it, it got me friends and, and didn't get me dates, but got me girls who liked me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I got accepted through being funny. I had a sense of humor. And, you know, from my youngest days of being an insecure kid, seeing the reaction of someone laughing at something you're doing. Wow. And then getting the positive affirmation from playing a proper... G on a ukulele. Oh. You know, and then there was one of my sisters who, who, um, it's all in the attention you're seeking, right? And how you get it. Yep. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to realize that music, if I, you know, if I've nurtured that talent a little bit, people will like me, man. I, you know, so it was a necessary need for me. It was a need to crawl out from under that grade four, grade five, really insecure, shy bullied kind of um persona to come out now and i think honestly that's a great deal of why i am who i am is because i will always have that soft underbelly that has been really hurt and really um really vulnerable and still to this very day insecure right. if somebody said the wrong thing to me i still cower like i'm you know 10 years old again right you recoil um you just learn how to master it a bit better. How did you end up doing that? Because that sounds like a lot of, like, I can't imagine what it would be like to have people approaching you all the time, kind of being like, play a song, do something, entertain. Alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol. So for me, uh, my, you know, my, my years, once I found I could pad um, a lot of feelings with booze, look out, look out, man. Yeah. Once I knew that I could be a better guitar player, better singer, I wasn't afraid to go on stage. And, you know, for me, I've played literally over 10,000 shows, right? And I've played in front of thousands of people. And every single show, whether it's 10 people or 1,000 people, I almost get sick the week before up to a gig. I, I play it through my mind a thousand times, and I, I never got over the stage fright. Never. Uh, I would play. I played Wednesday nights at the Jolly Miller for 17 years, and I was nervous till the second song every single Wednesday for 17 years. Yeah. And then imagine times that by five, seven gigs a week, yeah. eight gigs a week, having that height of anxiety. And so I ended up having it with, you know, four beer, a couple shots, right? Yeah. You start, that's your pad. All of a sudden that anxiety levels down. Okay, this works. Oh, I'm pretty funny when I'm, when I'm drinking. I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Pretty loose. And then, uh, and that becomes, that, that's how you give the same show overnight. Is yeah. it, you literally, uh, the best part of you dummies down and the worst part of you comes up yeah. when you're at your peak with booze. And so you're me. consistent. So you find that happy medium and that's what people got for about 20 years was that 
really good could have been way better yeah or could have been way worse yeah you know what was that like for you to kind of make that decision or was did you even notice did it impact you at all what i noticed is that i used to watch other players play and i remember judging them and i'm a pretty judgmental guy <laughs> but i remember judging them like oh look at buddy's had a couple too many sauces up there it's a little bit past his prime that guy yeah and he's oh look and then the last of my performing days back when i was still performing a lot like you know whatever five years ago whatever i was the guy slurring uh in my in my show and missing a guitar part and not caring about it as much and and being one of the, the people in the audience not the guy giving them the show yeah. i became this guy that i that i personally hated i hated that guy yeah. and it dawned on me a few times watching myself on stage like dude you just missed that whole solo there you, and now you're laughing about it on stage publicly yeah you're you're you, you've become the the spectacle not the really cool guy yeah that's what i felt anyway okay. a lot of people would say no they didn't notice yeah. to this very day people go oh dude i never had any idea well that's your internal fight right yeah and so there just came a time for me um where i was just letting myself down every single day and uh so my brother my mother died of a heart attack just quick she died literally talking to my sister on a, on a stool they were having a conversation and she literally grabbed her chest and died right in front of my sister wow. my brother was 48 years old sean rest his rest his soul my hero of my family which is my brother sean beautiful family um raised in terrible poverty the first generation of my family um grew up always had this air of dignity about him regardless of situation walked with us with a with a with a swagger um educated very smart guy dodged all the the troubles pivoted his way out of it moved to victoria married a beautiful lady had two kids became a stonemason in victoria got too old to be a stonemason gave it all up came back to chilliwack lived in my mother's basement on lewis avenue went to school ufv became a social worker started all over again moved to nanaimo bought a small house became a social worker ended up be helping others right yep. this is my hero sean he died of a heart attack at 48. so one day i'm on a treadmill about four years ago doing my annual checkup and my doctor stops me mid treadmill sits me down says no you gotta stop you gotta stop and now i'm nervous and i'm trying to be funny and he's not taking any of it he's like no he says he's looking at the the, the chart he says this is bad this is really bad. Sits me down. He says, I, I'm going to write you a prescription. He wrote me a prescription for nitroglycerin. And right away, I'm thinking, okay, I'm 48. I've done my time. I got my Stan Rogers award. I, I, I got a Paul Harris from Rotary. I, I think I've done good by people. This all makes sense. This is my going out party. You know, this is it. Yeah. And he said, takes, I want you to immediately rest, go leave this hospital, go grab nitroglycerin pills and always carry them in your pocket until I call you again. So I already suffered from anxiety. So now you can imagine a guy who's kind of a hypochondriac anyway. Anytime I had a, a slight chest murmur, if I drank coffee and I got indigestion even, I would think I'm having a jammer, this is it, I'm done. Yeah. So my poor wife and I'd be walking the Vedder Trail and I would feel a little tangent. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go down right in the Vedder Trail. Is this how it ends? So I, I did that for eight months. Wow. And in the process, 
my drinking increased to a ridiculous degree. I thought if I'm going out, I'm going out in flames. I'm going out. I'm going to live. You take me if you need to take me, but I'm, I'm going out, right? Fast forward to the day I get my big exam. They get me on the table in Vancouver and they give me a little bit of happy juice and settle me down and the needle goes in my leg and up into my heart and they check me out and it was a, it was a false positive. So there I am, eight months of this pent-up, am I going to die? What's going on? And the doctor and the nurse are talking about the, a karaoke party that they were at. I was a Monday appointment, so they're talking about Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe so-and-so sang Queen. Oh, he was so good, so good. Meanwhile, he's in my heart with a camera. Oh my God. And I'm laying there, and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, man, they're casual. Yeah. And he was done in about 15 minutes. He said, you're good. That's it. You're good. And he starts talking to the nurse again. I said, Doc, you got to wait. I said, what do you mean? What? He said, you're good. You're good. It was a false positive. You're good. You're clean, clean as a whistle. Wow. Nothing. No, no, no doctors, uh, whatever you call it, no. And I don't think he realized that, that uh, you know, I, who's going to know, right? But eight months I've been there. Yeah. Thinking, honestly, that my time is coming. And um, then when I got out of that, I was already full into the drink now. Now I'm like, okay, I'm. Now I'm free and yeah. I'm bulletproof. Yeah. And I also like booze. Right. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. Right. And so I just, uh, you know, it just became a, it just became a reckless guy, like just not paying any respect to anybody around me, uh, not respecting my myself most of all. I nothing anybody could ever say to me would would ever uh, replace what I said to myself and the the lack of respect for myself and and. And so the final straw, and I've never told anybody this. I told my wife knows and my close friends know, but I want to share this because I, I think it's important. So this speaks to sobriety for me, right? Like I've been sober now. I'm proud to say I'm sober uh, a year and a half. I just quit and I've been sober a year and a half and I'm really proud of that. Um, so November 10th, a couple of years ago, I was playing a gig for a buddy's wedding. And I did that, you know, that drank too much at the wedding, mouthed off the security guards, tried to drive. Um, I did everything that I just hate in a human being, that I would just detest in a human being. I did it all that night. Um, just disrespected everybody in the whole process. And then, of course, November 11th is Remembrance Day, which is really hugely dear to me. Yeah. Um, I missed Remembrance Day. And I, and, I, and I literally was too hungover to go to Remembrance Day ceremonies. And I'll tell you, it, I'll tell you what, that to me, it's, I'm, I'm, I feel embarrassed to say that, but I did. I missed, I missed Remembrance Day. So the time when you're supposed to go pay tributes to everybody, I was selfishly so hungover, I couldn't even get up. My wife went by herself, had to make a ton of excuses to our friends. Uh, and that was it, man. Um, she came home and said something, whatever she said. And I said, there's, again, there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to make me feel worse than I do right now. And that was the, the November 10th was the last, last day I touched a, a drop of booze. And it's been, it's been 100% fabulous every, every day since then. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I really like that we got to, I got to share that because I, my close friends know um, but I, uh, you know, I'm a shining example of 
honestly, if I can, if I can be sober, anybody can be sober. I was a terrible uh, uh, alcoholic, uh, worst offender. And I mean, I, I, I got a DUI, um, cost me about $10,000. Um, I, I, I am not proud of what I did, but I'm prouder of what I did after because of that. Yeah. So own it and, um, and move on. I really appreciate you being willing to share that on this platform because this is what it's about. It's not about anybody ever being perfect. It's about how we come back from, from those times and how we choose to share those stories with others because I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast, but I know a lot of people from my Indigenous community who could really do good by seeing someone like yourself, someone who's well-respected, who has the love of the media, who has like a, well, a strong foundation within the community, has the respect of small business owners, to have you say that I was here and now I'm not and I got out of it and this is this is what others can do. I think that that is what sets an example for others and it's hard to emulate you if we don't know what you've been through to get to where you are today. Every day is, uh, you know, I, I have bad days. I mean, everybody does. I have days where, you know, honestly, I can slam a beer. I do. I have days like that. But uh, I will say that that 25 out of 30 days are positive. And I believe that everything that I've been blessed with in my life to this point is because of what I've done in the last, you know, the last 16 months, the last 18 months, whatever it's been. Um, you have to give of yourself to get those rewards. I really believe that. Um, and, you know, like this job with the BIA and, and you know, it, just a lot of really good things have, have come forward since, uh, since uh, you know, that whole commitment. 